Hi again, everybody. Welcome to Radio MVP Sports Podcast, episode number 161 of the Sports Podcast. Anthony and Tim here with you on this wonderful, beautiful January day in April. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, no baseball tonight. Uh, it's been canceled. Uh, high winds and snowing in, in Cleveland and snow throughout the day here in the Youngstown area. So, uh, yeah. We can get ready for a baseball game or a football game. Well, you know, the USFL did begin this week. And they got better weather than us. Yeah, well, they're in Alabama. So. <laughs> uh, but speaking of football, real quickly, um, hopefully joining us a little later here tonight will be Doug Hoeing from uh, the Ohio Gladiators. He runs the Gladiators. I uh, met him last year when I got to do some of their games. So we're going to have him on talking about the upcoming TriPoint Football Conference. Uh, league, I should say, mm-hmm. as it, they uh, have switched from the GDFL to the Tri-Point. Tri and basically that means uh, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and West Virginia. All the uh, teams from this area have joined and formed their own uh, league this year, which is going to be really exciting and uh, make it uh, quite competitive. Uh, the Ohio Gladiators, uh, who I got to uh, broadcast games on 12-ounce sports with, uh, we'll be in it, and also the Cleveland uh, Cobras, which we did on West Reserve Radio. So uh, we're looking forward to talking to Doug and talking about uh, the Gladiators' upcoming uh, 2022 season. And uh, they open, I think they have a preseason action game. I'm going to find out for sure when we talk to them on uh, the 30th of this month uh, towards, uh, I think, Akron this year. I'm not 100% sure, but we'll, we'll get more information when we talk to Doug. And it should be a lot of fun. And uh, so we got that going on here tonight. And, of course, we have a baseball season mm-hmm. begun. And as I mentioned, the USFL actually uh, kicked off their uh, 2.0 region of their uh, existence, you know, 40 years later or however long it's been, from the time that they were around in the 80s. And uh, they're all playing all the games in Birmingham, Alabama. And I uh, got to watch a f- <laughs> A little over a half last night, uh, or yesterday afternoon, uh, the nightcap game, which the Pittsburgh Maulers are involved, uh, was canceled due to uh, weather and climate. So, yeah, weather playing havoc with everything as uh, the Guardians mm-hmm. uh, been canceled tonight and most likely have a uh, high probability of being canceled possibly tomorrow. Yeah, it's uh, it's. April Northeast Ohio, isn't it? Yeah. Because a couple of weeks ago, end of March, we were thinking, man, it's 70 degrees, 60 degrees for a couple of days there. We we're getting some nice stretches. and It never fails, does no, it? No. It, um, I think you and I were talking about it. Um, if March is pretty nice, and which there, there are some 70-degree days in March, uh, April's going to tend to be pretty crappy, and uh, April's not been very nice at all. Yeah, well, again— you know, the old saying of April showers brings May That's flowers right. type things. Well, I don't know if we get the flowers in May here in Northeast Ohio. No. no. But we definitely get the showers. And uh, even today was no showers. And, uh, yeah, playing meteorologist. Where's uh, Steve Ruman when we need him? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> I know, right? Uh, we have to get Stevie back on. It's been a long time since we had him on. Another guy. Oh, and uh, speaking of somebody uh, you uh, had contact with that we uh, had uh, mm-hmm. previously on the, on the podcast and John Vargo 
talk about what you know about John right now and what's going on. Yeah, John, um, who we all know, was fantastic at the uh, Tribune. One of the um, bright spots in covering YSU sports, and I've been a big, um, I'm very outspoken about it, and I think you agree with it. The media coverage here is pretty feeble around YSU sports. Um, ever since John and Joe Scalzo left, and you know, with everything going on, cutting back on staff, they're stretched pretty thin. Um, but John now is actually working for the university, um, and that's a big get. Because, yeah, it is. as you and I have talked about, when you're a small school like us, you have to get people that love the school, that understand the school, that understand the area. Um, and I think it's a home run hire. And everybody you have now in the sports information department, um, and I'll put them up against anybody in our conference and basketball and football. They've won awards for other publications. And uh, that's probably me being biased. Um, but I think those guys are phenomenal. But they understand and have a love for the university. They have a, you know, they're from the area, um, and I think that's big. I think that's big for any, the newspaper, the TV. You know, you have to be from this area to know really how special it is. And um, you and I know how special the area is and university is. Uh, that's why we decided to settle down here. Um, You've gone away and come back. Uh, I've gone away and have come back. Um, so it's nice to have somebody at the university who has a pride and a passion for Youngstown State Athletics like John does. And um, John has been phenomenal with the basketball programs. And when we had him out on that night, Tim, um, it was just when the men's program with Calhoun was starting to get some, fr- some momentum, yeah, yeah. some traction. Um, but they were still struggling a little bit. But you could see John, you know, hey, they got these kids right now. But down the line, he's got these kids coming in, these kids coming in. And, um, you know, so John knows about the programs. And, yeah, I mean, it's great to phenomenal. see him uh, involved at Youngstown and, State. And hopefully and doing uh, something he loves. Yeah, so hopefully you know? we'll, we'll reach out to John here in the next uh, few weeks and mm-hmm. try to get him back on just to – Reconnect with him and others. And that's just a down-to-earth, genuine guy. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And and the key here is knowledgeable. I mean, he knows what he's talking about, and he's been around the block once or twice. So, you know, it's not nothing unusual there. He's approachable, too. Yeah. Exactly. And you know what? He loves what he does. And that's that's what you're talking about, and that's what it's all about. Mm So, what's going on in the world of sports? Well, we kind of just gave you an overview of everything here in the last five minutes. So, hey, thanks for tuning in. I appreciate the download, and we'll talk to you uh, after we get done talking with Doug. Now, uh, seriously, um, the Guardians uh, got off to a, a interesting start. They were four, two and four, or actually split four games, I want yeah. to say, with Kansas City. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then had some momentum going. Yeah, beat played up on well, the Reds, yeah, and then came home and ran into a buzzsaw known as the San Francisco Giants. You ran into what a 107 win team looks like. Yeah, that's a that team reminds me of the 16 Indians, where the there's no superstars, but the sum of the parts is really really good. They starting their starting pitching is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, the relievers are lights out, 
and their offense wasn't great, but the weather this week was not conducive to offense at all. And they made mistakes when the Guardians made them. And they capitalized on it. Yeah, you know, the no, Giants that's exactly it. And, and, you know, always Friday night when you can line up your pitching the way the Giants did with uh, Carlos Rodon. He's been an Indian killer for years. And I think Tito said after the game, it's nice to get rid of him for a while. Uh, he is really good. I mean, yeah, he has. The way he attacks um, that high fastball, he's pinpoint too. I mean, he can spot. He can put. A great pitcher can put his fastball wherever he wants, but you know he's throwing it, and you still can hit it. That's what he did. And, uh, you know, we had a couple guys on, and like a veteran elite starting pitcher does, um, he got the odds when needed. Uh, they pitched really well on Saturday. Discofani pitched really well on Saturday, and Wood pitched well yesterday. So, um, yeah, it's a combination of, of probably – a continuation of what we've seen last year from uh, this Cleveland mm. uh, baseball team. Yep. When the bats are going strong and maybe they're facing a little weaker less, pitching, yeah. uh, less talented mm-hmm. pitching, they really can put some runs on the board and score and be competitive and give their their pitching staff some room to breathe to get ahead of hitters and mm-hmm. go right after yeah. them. However, when they're in tight-knit exactly. ball games. And they're scratching for one, two, if they're lucky, three mm-hmm. runs in the ball game. The ability to win those games are difficult because such a small level of uh, of of error that you can have yeah, in the ball game. Very and, and every time you know you bring in a a pitcher and, and it's, you know it doesn't work out and they either let that run score from second mm-hmm. base that they inherit or they you know have an inning where they give up a run late in a ball game uh it's usually detrimental to yeah. the success of this team because let's face it uh when they if it's in the seventh after the seventh inning and let's say they lose the lead Mm -hmm. and it's more than one or two runs uh even if it's two runs you really wonder if this offense can can Mm -hmm. put an inning together where they put three or four runs on the scoreboard to take it back and i just in the last two years the answer has been no going into this season and it's going to be difficult like you know we mentioned last week when we brought we you know, kind of kind of broke down the mm-hmm. the offense. Five through nine is going to be a weak spot, yep. and it shows because right now, you have to be sweet. able. To, well, mm-hmm. five for nine. I mean, you know who your top four are. You know who they are. They're going to be they're going to be fine. Long term, they're going to be fine. At the end of the season, I'm not worried about Rhea. You know, uh, mm-hmm. I'm just not. He's going to be fine. He's going to do what he always does. Um, the track record's there. He's he's going to perform, but. You look at five through nine. I mean, you got Rosario, who again, I have no problem with. I think he's he'll have decent numbers by mm-hmm. the end of the year, and uh, he got off to a nice start. You know, mm-hmm. they all did up until uh, yeah, until Friday, yeah. <laughs> until they ran into San Francisco, and uh, but the bottom half of the lineup just fell apart, yep. and you just can't score runs when you have five guys who can't get on base consistently mm-hmm. and and put two or three. On base in an inning. When they did, unfortunately, uh, they popped up or struck yeah. out mm-hmm. uh, many times. And, and that's that's really the most frustrating thing about this 
team over the last two seasons and going out into his third season. Is that season. a sign of trying to do too much, though? I don't know if it's trying, trying to, to do, too, do too, much. too much. It's just I, I honestly think it's more just talent level. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I really do. I think it's a combination of both, honestly. It is a combination. I'm not saying there's not pressure on the player because obviously there is. But I, however, think it's, but I honestly but I think it's do believe it, it, it's a talent level because mm-hmm. you need to make contact. Yep. As as much as we were talking about that, I mean, what Quan brings to this ball club mm-hmm. beyond anything else that we've seen in many years is a guy who makes contact. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying he has to get on base 15 out of 19 times like he did mm-hmm. and stuff like that. I mean, phenomenal start. But, I mean, realistically, what do you want is a guy who makes contact with the ball and puts the ball in play and has the ability to make things happen mm-hmm. and hopefully drive in runs, you know, and that's what it's all about. Uh, extending innings, mm-hmm. uh, getting two out hits. Right now, I think they're still finding who's who yep. on this team. I mean, obviously, you know, Owen Miller's off to a great start and give him a lot of credit for what he's, you know, you know for the first uh, eight games mm-hmm. of the season. He's done a nice job, really has. Uh, Ernie Clement, he's getting on base when he gets an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We'll see. You know, are those two guys really the future of, the, of this ball club? Maybe one of them is. I don't know if both yeah, of them are. I don't think but both only only time will are, tell. Yeah. yeah, only time will tell. I mean, Bradley got in sporadically over the last the first eight games. Yeah, two games out of yeah. So we don't. I mean, I know what to expect from him, but we have not seen him have the opportunity to prove that. Mm-mm. And that's where I think we're at. I mean, across the board, we have about five or six players who we uh, who I would say this organization has to make decisions on. Yep. And I don't have to make them today. I know that. And you have the month of April to work things out. You have the month of April and May. Yeah, as long as you're competitive in each in most games when you're winning some uh, series like you did or split, you know, four game series, you're going to have an opportunity to prove yourself. Mm-hmm. The question going forward is how long can you Wait for a player to seize exactly. that opportunity. Exactly. I mean, you got to give a lot of credit to Quan, who seized his opportunity. You got to give a lot of credit to Owen Miller, Owen Miller mm-hmm. for seizing the opportunity early in the season. Now we'll see how long they both last. I mean, I have a, I have more optimistic belief in in Quan's ability to, to strike the ball, but Owen uh, Miller has shown. And at the minor league level yes, and exactly. last season That's at times mm-hmm. that he can make good contact. And now I don't expect, I mean, in a home run society that we live in baseball today, home run or nothing, mm-hmm. uh, this team's not built that no. way. No, but not. it swings that way. Yes, they and, do. And that's, you know, and that's, that's the yeah. hard part to exactly, accept. Yeah. What I mean by that is just exactly what it means. It means they strike out a lot. Yeah. They don't get to make a lot of contact. That's why you get a lot of strikeouts or pop-ups. Well, that's mm-hmm. exactly it. Mm-hmm. And then you leave runners at second base. Yeah. Or you leave – you have runners, like, bases loaded and you can't move yep. – you can't get anybody mm-hmm. home. Uh, or you hit in a double play and stuff like that. Double plays happen. I can accept those for the most part. What I can't accept is is the lazy pop up in the infield, I agree with that, yeah. or you know the shallow pop up. The lazy to, pop up to me yeah. drives me nuts. Well, and, or the strikeout. I mean, you have to make contact. If you make a loud out 
fine. The, you know, so, so be it. Reyes has made a lot of those, you know, early in the season. He actually has hit the ball hard a few times, and it was just out of balls. Friday night, he scalded him yeah. two or three times. And, and those are out of balls. Track. Yeah. There's nothing you can do. I mean, here's one on second base. He just rocked. Yeah, the it. one that Crawford made was. A, yeah, I mean, yeah. The, mm-hmm. these things happen. That's baseball. I can accept that. Um, what matters, though, is how you handle it going forward. Mm-hmm. And I'll be quite honest with you. Maybe the best thing that could happen to this organization Which, is the Rainers. I was about to say that. Because now they have a chance to kind of reset themselves. And, yep. and I think maybe the worst thing that happened to them was that they had the day off last Thursday that's going exact, into Friday. That's exactly what we said last week in the podcast. Know, uh, Tim, yeah. But now I think, actually, this is kind of like the – you can, it's the opposite scenario yes. where you can catch your breath a little bit and, uh, you know, get through these really ugly days of April uh, weather-wise. Well, the and that, knowing that the weather's going to warm up and that you're going to get, you know, better opportunities to play in mm-hmm. better weather and better uh, scenarios, hopefully going forward, it will have happen. Um, again, if they're around 500 in April, that's fantastic. If they're, you know, you don't. What you don't want to be is going at six, seven, eight game tailspin where you're now looking up at the standings mm-hmm. early in the season trying to get back to that 500 level. Well, if you're within the team in the conference, yeah, well, level, that's yeah. just, just mm-hmm. in general. This is where any team, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to start the season four and 15. No, God, no. You know, and be in a situation where you're double digits under 500 and trying to catch up. Exactly. Because it's tough to win five, six, seven games in a row. And when you lose five, six, seven, eight games in a row, that's the problem. Now you're on a three-game losing streak. You know, you have to, you know, reset yourself and go forward. You know, they do have the starting pitching. I mean, I wasn't mad at the, the pitching was fine all weekend. I mean, yeah, you could, you could nitpick here and there. Okay. You know, Savali didn't have his best outing. But he didn't pitch terrible for the four innings he was out there. Uh, he, he walked a couple. He gave up some runs. But, again, this... The season is so condensed early. The errors and missed old plays killed him again. Well, exactly. There's, I mean, it's more than just his pitching performance. Same with Quintrell. I, I didn't think he pitched well. No, he pitched fine. Yeah, and so he you're going to give up the runs. First five innings. Yeah, and you're going to give up runs. I mean, just that's the way it works. And you, know, you can't turn a double play. And that, right, exactly. You, you know, extend innings. Exactly. You're going to run into these. If you type turn of that things. double play, you're going two-two bomb the eighth instead of. Turns in three two, then the wild pitch is four two, and then like you said, you get down two three runs later in the game, and it's really difficult for this offense, especially against a quality team like the Giants. And then, you know, on Friday night, um, when you're you get it two to one, um, and you had a couple of chances, and then you had the throwing error by Jose, and then after that the two run home, where it's like, you know, it's deflating. And you're yeah. down three runs going in late in the game, and you still had your chances. But like you said, it's as the let's, let's be realistic here you know, about how this team is built and what expectations you can have, and at least my expectations, I should say. When the game is tied or they have the lead after the fifth inning, you feel like they're in the game and they have a chance. Mm-hmm. If you go into the sixth inning and they're down by a run. And you probably think it's like a 35% chance that they can score that run, yeah. tie the game up, and maybe take the lead. But, Once they get down two, it's over. But, yeah, but, that you know, you have only four innings, you know, six, seven, yeah. and eight to get, nine to get it mm-hmm. done. So, uh, we'll, you know, that's the way I kind of 
you know, my mentality is right now with this organization, the way this team is built. Well, these next because there are there are outs in this in lineup that yeah. you're going There's to a lot have. Of them. Yeah, yeah. Um, as much as you know, we talked about it in the past. I mean, your catching position is an out. I mean, yeah, it is. He mm-hmm. came through with an RBI the other day. It was eight to one. Yeah, but, so, you know, yeah. Hey, good. Yeah, great. you know. Great. It's going to happen. He's going to get his few yeah. base hits and drive in a few runs. Those are going to, you know, which is fantastic. Hopefully they come in better opportunity times where you have a chance to win ball game. But in the same vein, prevented a shutout, so that's a good thing. Yeah. You know, um, looking on the, on the bright side of things, I guess. You know the bright side? With tonight's ran out, we avoid Dallas Keuchel series. Well, there you go. So that's like... Um, you know, these next 10 games are going to be big. But like you said, you want to be around the 500 mark in April. In the next 10 games, you're the White Sox, if you play t- tomorrow night, which it's not looking good at all. Hopefully, we play right. I'm going up. Um, thirds are supposed to be raining all day long with a day game, so that doesn't look conducive. So, and then you got the, you're going to New York and you go to Los Angeles to play Trout and uh, right. Otani and them. So, these next 10 games are going to be pretty, you know, pretty big. Oh, absolutely. I mean, worst case scenario, you want to be six and four and six. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. worst case scenario. You don't want to be three and seven. You don't want to be two and eight. That's just the bottom line. Not looking that far ahead. Well, tomorrow but... you got a, a very. Now, this is again, if Mother Nature says, you know, let's play ball. Uh, tomorrow night's a game you should win. Well, I know the White Sox are really good. Their offense is good, but they're banged up, and you got Bieber going tomorrow night. And you got to feel really good, again, especially in this weather. It's tough for me to say they should win on this level. I just don't know if there's consistency in this offense to make me believe that there's four runs every night that they can compete. With Bieber going, I think. Now, it doesn't matter. See, that's the problem. If Bieber is just average or is, is on his game and you lose two to nothing or one nothing, that's the problem that this organization's in. It's scary if you know what I'm we saying? can't. If you had, yeah, if you were scoring, I if yeah. you were scoring four runs a game, which is not a big, that's number. not a lot, but it's. But if you're getting it's mediocre, yeah, right. Well, it's now you're in every game, mm-hmm. no matter who's pitching. So if you're giving a Bieber four runs, knowing that he should get four runs support, mm, yes. Now you feel like you R- really have good, yeah. that. That extra yeah. layer saying, yeah, they can really win this ball game. When you don't get that consistency, that's when you run. I mean, that's just like years ago. I mean, I'll go back to the heydays of the 90s. Everyone talk about, you know, how, you know, Cleveland scored many runs and yeah. hit home runs and stole bases and scored, you know, you were down 11-2 to two and you made comebacks. Come back and win 12-11. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and those were great offenses and great times. But that was why you always believe, even though the pitching was not necessarily superb as it is today, you always had a chance. You always believed yeah. that you had a chance in every game. It was because you had an offense that was going to score runs. That it was going to, you know, if you lost, mm-hmm. if you lost eight to seven, you knew you were in the game. Mm-hmm. Okay, but if you're in today's uh, Guardian organization, the way it's built. If a team scores four plus runs against you, you're, a, you're not feeling you're not gonna win the game. Yeah, you don't feel like you're going to win a game. No, you're not. And your pitching staff, I don't care how good it is, is not going to keep them 
keep no. you under that no. threshold going forward. Yeah, it's just my opinion. Just trying to talk myself into some positivity <laughs> going up tomorrow. Uh, Let me ask you this. We Let's... should hit Jimmy Lambert. I mean, yeah. but again, yeah. But it's going to be crappy, so it's not. So well, let's put it this way. Let's 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 backtrack a mm-hmm. little bit. Talk about opening day. How was it for you? Very disappointing, honestly. And this is outside the game. Yeah. This is excluding the game. This could have been, you know, even if we would have won, it would have been disappointing um, because I expected more from our fans. We talked about this. Okay. Um, this was. Cleveland's day to be in the national spotlight. It's a new name change. Right. You had just signed Jose. You had Tom Hanks in throwing Tom that. Hanks in town with Wilson. He brought Wilson in yes, town. Yes, yes. Um, you extended Miles Straw. You extended Emmanuel Classe. You're coming off a what I thought was a good road trip. If you go four oh, and sure. two on a road trip, you're going to take that no matter what time Absolutely. It was a great road trip. Exactly. Um, you so, won four in a row at one point. Exactly. Those, you know, things were looking up. The Cavaliers were hosting a home playoff game to get into the NBA playoffs. Um, and for all they've been through this year, that's incredible in its own right. Because, yeah, we really haven't talked about the Cavs that much. Um, we got. We'll talk about it here in just a moment. The attrition Go ahead. that they've gone through. So you, you were in the national spotlight, and it was sold out. Well, they said it was sold out, but it wasn't. And it just, it just messed on some work today. The, the enthusiasm just lacked. Let me ask you this. It just blocked. Let me ask you this. And it has nothing, it's just circumstances mm-hmm. that made this yes. happen. It was a night game, not a day game. I think that helped. I think that hurt big time. Yeah. I think, I, I think yeah. because it just felt like a, Normal Friday night game in April. That's what I was just going to say. It felt like yeah. a normal Friday night game in April. Um, do I think the Cavaliers playing had some effect? Yeah, but I think people's eyes and attention were a little bit, you no, know, There's hey, no question. You know, when it got to 4-1 to late and Rodon has like 60 pitches in the seventh inning, it's like, okay, let's see what the Cavs are doing. Um, but, yeah, it, it felt like just a normal game in April. Um it didn't feel like opening day. If there's no question this past basketball season mm-hmm. that the city of Cleveland fell in love with the Cavaliers again. Yes, 100%. And, and rightfully so. I mean, it was a young club that had, a, had, you know, odd stack against them at the beginning of the season. They had such a, a brilliant yes. first half. They had the all-star game yeah. in Cleveland. You know, their players – were showcased exactly. on a national level. And then they had some injuries. I mean, they had them throughout the year, but the late, they late season just injuries crushed, just yeah. really, really crushed the Cavaliers. And, you know, as I was actually talking to uh, Michael, my brother, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as we were watching the Cavaliers games, you know, on the, the playing mm-hmm. games, the tournament there, and you could see – the deficiency of the one thing that was missing. It was that was a a, a solid three wing guy who could score points. Mm-hmm. Uh, it didn't matter where it was coming. You know, when somebody was off the bench or someone who you know had it, you know that was just crushing the Cavaliers in those games. And they were in every game. They really were. I mean, yeah, they got blown Let out in the first one, this. but 
But that was really where it really showed. They just missed that true small forward swing guy who can who to can me, score. It seemed like because you know the tip off and the first pitch were within a half hour of each other. Yeah. So uh, we got down there early. So you're in the atmosphere. It seemed like a very nervous atmosphere to me. Like, and I don't no, know about you, win. but maybe it's the Cleveland mindset of we don't want to get our hopes up, but we're, you know. And let, and, me, let me backtrack from that. I know okay, what you're saying yeah. of the Cleveland mindset. Let, let's put in a reality check. Okay. Mm-hmm. And it's not and not necessarily gloom and doom. No. Okay. However, when you get right down to it, other than the 2016 Cavaliers mm-hmm. who came down yes. 3-1 mm-hmm. and won it all, how many Cleveland sports teams at home in a playoff scenario Zero. have had that must win and came through. Other than the 2016 Cavaliers. Zero. Yeah. Zero. It just doesn't happen. No. It hasn't no. happened. I mean, no. you go, uh, my lifetime, it's, it's not happened. You could go all the way back to Red Right 88 and 1980, mm-hmm. you know, with Brian Sipes through the interception in a must-win game in the playoffs against Oakland, who went on to win, a yeah. world, win the world championship mm-hmm. in the Super Bowl that year. Uh you can go to Bernie Kosar with mm-hmm. the drive and and then the fumble the mm-hmm. following year on the road. But yeah. uh, you Still can, the same you thing. can do Michael game. Jordan's yeah. shot, which then propelled the, the Bulls well, to a big run in that playoff. The Indians are 0-7 or 0-8 in their last game sevens or yeah, game fives. It's, 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 not been, it's not good, no. So then you can find well, the you Browns. Well, you look at it. You, you, um, the Marlins. You lost Game Seven. Yep. You lost Game Seven to Boston. Yep. You lost Game Seven the to Cubs. the Cubs, yep. and you lost, I believe, to Boston in a Game Five. You lost, and you to, lost to Seattle in Game Five in the O one. Uh, right. ALDS. Yeah. I mean, any type of, like I said, an elimination game. Elimination game. Uh, the yeah. Indians and now Guardians have never been that successful. Um, the Browns in playoff games have been up been that level of success where you, especially at home. Yeah. I mean, the last yes, great exactly. home, the last great home playoff win, and I, there may have, they may have been one in the Belichick the one year that they went to the playoffs. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if that was on the road or at home when they made the playoffs that year, and if they won, I, it was a long time ago. But the one game, and I was happened to be at it. That's probably why I remember yeah. it the most. Was against Buffalo. Mm-hmm. It was a back and forth game, and that's where Jim Kelly threw the interception to Clay Matthews inside the five yard line to preserve the win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that was the year before the Bills went on that four Super Bowl run for you know four years in a row where they made that Super Bowl run and, and lost each Super Bowl, but. That was, you know, kind of the beginning of that red gun offense for the Bills yeah. in that game. And that was really um, maybe the last big win I can remember, other than the Caps. Give the Cavaliers credit. Right, yeah. I mean, what happened in 2016 has never happened in NBA history. Mm-mm. And what, you know, there, you, you know it, it should go down as, you know, one of the great, great, 
comebacks of all time in sports, down 3-1, and to win that, that championship. I mean, that will always be the crowning moment. But when you look at this Cleveland baseball organization, you look at the Cavaliers, you, you know, prior to the 2016 season and prior to, you know, uh, the years prior mm-hmm. to that, They've never been really that successful no. when it came to must-win. Now, playoffs generally mean that. Yeah. Most organizations will have a 500 record or less in the playoffs because it's one game and you're out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or a series and you're out. You know, and if yeah. you happen to – yeah, a series can look lopsided because if you get swept, yeah. you're down four games overall yep. in the playoff numbers and stuff like that. So it's it's kind of, you know, not necessarily a, a true barometer. But, uh, yeah, it's – you know, the idea of a tournament is is to win and survive and move on. And it's, it's a um, – you know, it's unfortunate. But, yeah, I think – the mentality of fans in Cleveland is not necessarily of doom and gloom. They accept doom and gloom when it happens. Yes. So they're prepared for it. However, I think deep down. It's that nervous energy. It's Yes, the yeah. nervous energy yeah. and the desire to celebrate. Yeah. You know, and a perfect example of that celebration happened in 2015. When the Cavaliers were down 0-2 mm-hmm. and came back home and won mm-hmm. that first playoff game at home. Yeah. And you see that celebration in the, in the streets. That was amazing. I mean, what happened the following yeah. year when you won it all was even more, you know, more great, I guess is just the right word. It's just phenomenal. But you see that. Like, when the Indians made the run in 2016, we seen that when gathering. When Davis hit that. Right. Not even that. Not even that. Go back just the the series of winning against New York. You know, winning yeah. against, uh, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, when they, when I was at the uh, game one of the ALCS that year against Toronto. Right. And that was a hell of a pitch game. Kluber and, oh, my God, who pitched the Blue Jays? He's gone. He's not even in baseball anymore. That, that don't matter. Yeah, um, I know what you're saying, but. but they were going zeros for zeros, mm-hmm. and Lindor hit that two-run home run in the right. sixth inning. Right. And that place just lost its but mind. But you know what, though? It comes back to the same thing we were just talking about. It talks about players making plays when games are on the and line. And you talk about the and last— And that's when you look at, the, at this Cleveland baseball organization— mm-hmm. You know, back in 2016 and 2017, Mm -hmm. and mostly 2018, that was an organization that knew how to win. Yes. They had players that made plays at all times of the game. They acquired players who can make plays at any time of the game. that's evident by the 2017 game, too. And that's probably the last time they've had a big win was when they were down big against the Yankees, came back, and Jay Bruce, who they acquired, who knew how to win, was a veteran. Mm-hmm. And that's my point is, mm-hmm. you know, that whole era, uh, you know, from yep. 2016 to 2018, that was the window of opportunity yep. for this team. Unfortunately, it never seized it. You know, it, 2016, it seized it and came up just shy. Yeah. And then 2017 had a great year. 2018 had a really fine year. Yeah. But. Again, they and never 19, got out of the won first. They ninety-five games, Mister Plies, because the American well, you, was loaded that right. year. Right, and well, it's not even that. You just you have to, 
you have to succeed when games are on the line, yep. when when seasons are on the line. And if you don't, you don't. I mean, you just have to accept that. You talk that. about this year, this current Cleveland Guardians team is you want to hover around 500, stay in it any year, you know, especially this year. That 2019 team was down 11 games to Minnesota in the division and caught them. Right. And then, you know, fell apart late, but... Um, you know, but everybody says to me, why do you care so much about April games? Because you can't win a world championship in April and you can't win a playoff spot in April, but you, you can, you can sure lose one. The only team that's ever won one in April was Detroit uh, Tigers yeah. back in 84 when they went 35 and 35 five. and five starts a year. And that, uh, yeah, I mean, that was the most amazing season I've ever witness uh, by one team early in the year. And you want to know a funny story? My aunt worked for the Tigers that yeah, year. Yeah, you mentioned this. She yes. worked for the Tigers that year. Um, and she... Um, so she worked for the Tigers that year, and she went down to spring training. And her and a group of uh, co-workers were sitting there at one of the spring training games, and she said, this team's going to win the World Series. And they said, how, how can you say that? It's February. She goes, this team's going to win the World Series. Yeah. And... And she said, I will bet anybody here to win the World Series. And they're like, okay. So she said, I'll give you the field and I'll take the Tigers. And when they started 35 and 5, they said, can we have our bet back? Yeah. Um, yeah, that team was. It was just, it, it was phenomenal. Man. It was, like I said, there's very few. Once in a generation, once yep. in 30, 40 exactly. years, you'll see a team get to a level like this and not many will achieve it on a, on a consistent basis or often. Mm -hmm. Uh, but that was a unique team, but you're right. However, April does matter. It's their regular season games. Every game matters. Exactly. And when you play 162 and you come up a game or two short, you can look throughout the season to find those one or two games, yep. not just in April. Yep, you're right. But you can find it in June and July and August and September. Every month has those. Yeah. yeah, you can find them throughout the year. But you get a – your successful teams, one thing you'll find, mm -hmm. and this is pretty much across the board in baseball, mm -hmm. if you break down the games that teams won late in a ball game after the seventh inning – Yep. Trailing in the game, not tied, but trailing, you'll see a winning record out of that team. If you see a team that has, for example, let's say participates in 10 extra inning games mm -hmm. and goes eight and two, that's huge. When you go two and eight, mm -hmm. that crushes you because those are all losses. And that's what I'm – you combine stuff like that and you look at those type of stats, you'll see the strong teams versus the teams that are exactly. are, are just on the verge of maybe – maybe they will get hot in September and, yes. and surprise the world. And I'm not saying that can't happen. It does happen. But you're going to see the strong teams versus the, the the weaker teams. And that, to me, is what matters. And when you look at the stats – on this guardian organization mm -hmm. in the last few years. It's the lack of the ability to score after the sixth inning and the yep. lack of the ability to win extra inning games 
and even now with the the gimmick extra inning games, yeah. it still matters because yeah, in the end does. they they go either in the L call or, or the win yeah. call. So. You talk about winning late and scoring after the seventh inning. Ninety five, the Indians led baseball and come from high wins, and that's what you were talking about that right. offense. You always felt like you had a chance, right? Um, and a better example. Two thousand seven, too. Yeah. They, exactly. They led baseball in extra inning wins in 2016. And I don't know if you've heard a stat before, but I heard it a couple months ago. Um, they were talking about on the air. When they had a three-run lead or more at any point in a game that year, they were undefeated. Yeah, I mean, these are the stats that really tell you exactly. the strength of a You're team. You're right. And it goes beyond... It's it's how many games you lose late in a game yep. too. For example, mm-hmm. like let's say you you know you go back into like the twenty oh seven. Let's go yep. all the way back there, mm-hmm. um, in that era. Mm-hmm. I think twenty oh five. Yes, it was Brokowski was the closer, and he had like ten blown saves. Uh, but he had fifty five saves that year. Oh five. I don't think Brokowski was a closer. In or was it oh seven? 07, he was the closer. He okay. set the franchise record, but had yeah, like, like 55 saves. saves. I believe he had like four in April and May. Well, not even that. I think he had like 50 saves that year. Yeah, I think he set. I think he has the all-time record. 56, yeah. I think he has his all-time yeah. record in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. But he also had like nine blown saves. Yeah. And then he had about five games where he didn't even get the blown save because they went to extra. It yeah, was just yeah. one of those scenarios where mm-hmm. it didn't matter, you know. It was, but they lost the game. My point is, those are the type of stats that you can really find the strength Joe of Brosky, a team. Joe Joe Bruce Tr- Adrenaline, their retirement. <laughs> well, you but, know, yeah. it, you are as good you know, as I'm your talent is. You're as good as your talent is, and he was successful his entire career as a closer, for the most part. Now, was he? At an elite closer, no. But he was a guy who could get the job done. And sometimes that's the best you can get. And you use that to the best of your ability. It's up to a manager and a team to recognize when to, to uh, you know, pull the plug on a guy and not let, let him in there to give up five runs in the ninth inning. But, you know, back then we had Eric Wedge. He didn't know, you know. You know, he's like a great, oh, you know, he's a trip. He's a terrific triple A manager. Oh, come on. You didn't like Wedgie. He's a terrific triple A <laughs> manager. And, you know, he's proven that his entire career, you know, obviously with young talent and good talent, he did have a successful run and Hey, you know, God bless him. You know, um, I know this, uh, I'll take, Francona or every manager I've ever seen yep, wear a Cleveland out. Indians uniform or a Guardian uniform in my lifetime. Borowski in 2007 had 45 saves. Okay. Um, with a 5-1-1 ERA. Yeah, he had um, probably about nine blown saves if it shows that. And I can't find the blown saves, but he had five losses, so... There's, there's five right there. Chances are, yeah. Um, and then there's a few that he probably didn't get. Uh, they didn't lose, or he didn't get the credit for the loss. And mm-hmm. but it doesn't matter. Uh, again, he was functional for the position that I he was in. I remember the game against the Yankees here, right here. Yeah. Two third, and this is when we were up huge, yeah. and we lost in a walk off grand slam to A Rod. He went two thirds of an inning, five hits, six runs. 
One walk well, and two first home of all, runs, first and he had of the all, of 80. That's, first of all, why are you leaving him in there to give him exactly. five hits? You know, exactly. But, exactly. I, I, again, but that's been a... That, that again, is, is another story, and it's so long ago I could care less. Uh, but my point is, you, you are even, your talent level shows who you are. Even go back to that 2005 team where they had to win two games to get into the playoffs. They had to go two and four in their last six to make the playoffs. They were playing the last place White Sox and the last place Rays, and they went one and five. See, what I'm trying to get to, Anthony, is if you look at this Indians organization where they're at this season. Cleveland Guardians, sir. <laughs> Did I say Indians? Yeah. Did I say Indians? What a shock. <laughs> What a shock. I thought I said Cleveland baseball. I'm sorry. All right. Not a big. Indians prior to now. Yeah, they yeah. were absolutely yeah. Yeah. Cleveland. Exactly. The, the history exactly. doesn't change. Exactly. As much as Google changes Say it, it. for the people in the back, Tim. As much as, so as, as much as Google, when you look up a player, mm-hmm. has changed the to the Guardians uh-huh. for years gone by. They were not the Guardians nope. up until this season. They were the Indians. Just like, for example, the Seattle Pilots mm-hmm. played that one season in Seattle mm-hmm. before they became the Milwaukee Brewers. And if you have a baseball card back exactly. in the day, it said the Pilots. Exactly. And, and you know, so. That's why when you have a Hank Aaron baseball card, it's not going to say the Atlanta Braves are on to start. No, it says Milwaukee. Exactly. You know, and, exactly. Uh, but my point is, it's what, like I said, it's it's a uh, a phenomenon that's going on right now. It mm-hmm. makes me laugh. Yeah. Uh, no, we no one's changed the history. The history is is there. The history for, is not going to be erased. Well, it, it's not been this changed. Isn't China. It's not been changed. No, it has not been changed. There are many people out there who like to rewrite history. And I mean that in all genres of things. Yes, hundred percent. But the history of it's not changing of the club is exactly what it was. This club was exactly. formed in, in, in 1901. It was a charter member of the American League. Yep. It was the Cleveland Naps at one point. It was the Cleveland Broncos. It was many other organizations. Trivia you know. question for yes. you. Yes, we talked about it last week when we were. Um, going into the Cincinnati series, and we brought up that the Reds had opened on the road in Atlanta. Right. And we and you had made mention, how often have they opened up away from Cincinnati? And I found out the answer the next day because, obviously, that was the most pressing thing of my work day. Oh, of lunch. course, yes. Uh, my employer is not listening. But um, since 1890, Tim, it was only the third time that they have opened away from Cincinnati and – Two of the times were because of the lockout. Yeah, I'm in not 1990 shocked. was because of the lockout, and now this year because of the lockout. But only a third time ever. So the one the time they didn't, when was that? Do you know? 1920s. Oh wow. So yeah, yeah. exactly. You know. Uh, well, I well traditionally baseball opened exactly. up in Cincinnati. Yeah, and they were always one of the if first. If you games don't of the know day. the history of baseball, the first professional baseball team. Was the Cincinnati, Cincinnati Red Legs. Yep. And that's why the season always began in Cincinnati. And they were always usually one of the first two games to start. Oh, they were the first game. Yeah. They were uh, they were guaranteed that slot for And the parade uh, for down many that years. street. Yes. Um, well, if you ever had the opportunity, 
I mean, this. Uh, and it's been many years since I've been to Cincinnati to watch a game. Mm-hmm. I, matter of fact, I've never been at the new ballpark. Had neither. Okay. Last time I was in Cincinnati to watch a game was when they still played at Riverfront yes. in the Cookie Cutter. Yeah. You know, on, on the Ohio River. And back then, and this was Scott. I'm going to show my age here. Late 80s, early 90s. Mm-hmm. I had friends of mine who were. Uh, Went to the University of Cincinnati, mm-hmm. so I used to go down and spend weekends down there and visit them and all this. And one of the things we used to do is they used to sell the last three seats of the stadium, the highest seats. I think it was like three bucks back in the day or five dollars, something mm-hmm. like that, something real dirt cheap. Yeah, and you can, ha- and that's why many students in that used to. Be behind whole plate at the top, you know, at the uh, that cookie cutter type scenario, and that's what we ended up doing. But um, on the weekends, I think uh, it might have been on on a Saturday afternoon games. If you went down to a certain part of Cincinnati, going into mm-hmm. the stadium, mm-hmm. there was just a bar section and stuff like that. There was literally free food everywhere. Really. Absolutely. Didn't matter where you went. There was like sloppy joes and and stuff like uh, sign uh, me up. Yeah, yeah. Know that it, it was it was it still might be a tradition down there um, that you like can a big go. Tailgate? Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. And, and that as anybody can remember, being a college student, mm-hmm. uh, anytime it was free, it was perfect. Uh, absolutely. So anytime if, it's free, still it's perfect. Yeah. So it was a way you go down there and grab a couple mm-hmm. of sandwiches and and head go off to the, the game. game. Yeah. yeah. And it was like you know, you got in and out of there for less than ten bucks. You ride the bus down or something mm-hmm. like that, or you all piled in a car and parked somewhere for a buck or two. And hell yeah. You know, and next thing you know, you were at these. You know, you would walk and play. You know, like I mm-hmm. said, you go to these different bars, and they would give you free food and da da da. You have a couple of drinks there. You go to the game, come back. It was you know that mm-hmm. whole thing, and that's that's how you did it. Um, it was like I said, Cincinnati is a great town. I, I had a awesome lot of, t- of fun. You know, we can make fun of the of the sports uh, rivalries, mm-hmm. you know, in Pittsburgh and Cincinnati and and wherever Baltimore. I've never been yeah. there, but you know, you can name the you know Buffalo, yeah. whatever you want to say. There's, there's great sports towns. There's a lot oh, of yeah. fun. Oh yeah, Cincinnati is a great. Sports you town. can go to a lot of different places in 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 a region here yeah. and have a blast with those fans. Most of them are, are good people or just love having fun yep. and, and, and good ribbing either way, you know. Speaking and, of sports fans, and this will transition me to my next point, it's our favorite time of year, baseball, I was mine, um, and it's football and shorts. Yeah. You know, this is – That's um, that time of the year? Yeah, it is that time of the year. And uh, with the Ohio State spring game over the weekend – 60,000 people on a 40-degree rainy yes. Saturday in Columbus yes. at noon. 60,000 people. They outdrew Georgia and Alabama combined. And I'll argue with anybody, if it would have been 10, 15 degrees warmer, that game would have had 100,000 people probably. It's absolutely I, incredible. It is an amazing thing to Anytime you can go to the shoe for any yeah. event, mm-hmm. it's, it's just unique. Yeah, especially when you're talking about the access football. is a little more yeah. open. You can sit wherever you yeah. want, so and, you generally and, don't sit in the you know. Right, obviously you're closest exactly. to the field that you can get to. Yeah, it was you awesome. know. Um, 
Speaking of spring games, I mean, when I was young, I used to always go to the the red and white game. Yeah, because they used to sell uh, tickets for a few dollars, this and that, and mm-hmm. you, you could. I remember I was in Scotts, and they used to give us bundles to sell for yeah. stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And we'd, you know, I think like a five dollar ticket, they get yeah. half of it for the for the organization yeah. Yeah. or mm-hmm. something. And then back in the Trestle era. I remember you used to just have to bring a can of, uh, of yeah, yes, a donation, yeah, a donation, a, uh-huh. a, you know, a non-perishable yeah. don- donation, and you got in free. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, again, it was family atmosphere. Everyone's down yeah. close, had a good time, no matter what the weather was. And usually it was crappy, rainy, and and lousy. And uh, you know, and the student section would be there. And the student section, as you, if anybody remember back in the day, it would always sneak in yeah. extra beverages. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sure student section in America. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially back in the yeah, days exactly, when yeah. there was no beverages to buy inside, That's right? Like there is today. Right. And uh, but needless to say, it was you know those. It's just great fun. What time does spring game start for you guys? Was it early morning, late afternoon? What for YSU? Yeah, it was the evening game always. It was like six o'clock or seven o'clock kickoff. Eleven a.m. Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm not sure I like that. I think I'm, I, I think it's I, stupid. <laughs> I, I get think it. You should have it Friday night. Yeah, I do too. I think you know most of them were evening games. Matter yeah. of fact, I remember going to Fitch uh, Falcom Stadium mm-hmm. for those games back yeah. before Stamball. You know, so yeah. uh, as crazy as it sounds, so it yeah. It, Bill Narduzzi was the coach when I was going to the to the red and white game. Uh, so you know, it just shows you uh, the years gone by. Uh, speaking of football, as we mentioned, the USFL mm-hmm. got started, and with that, uh, pro football in the springtime is back. But pro football has always been in the springtime, Anthony, and we've also we've had semi-pro football mm-hmm. for many years. Uh, you go back to the Youngstown Hardhouse mm-hmm. days, and uh, obviously GDFL, and last year with uh, Twelve Ounce Sports yep. and Western Reserve Radio, I uh, got to cover both the Ohio Gladiators, and the Cleveland Cobras. Mm-hmm. So right now, let's bring in our good friend from the Ohio Gladiators. Why don't we step aside, and I'll bring in our good friend, Doug Hoeing, from the Ohio Gladiators, and we'll be right back and uh, and wrap up this podcast. As, uh, we're going to learn more about the TriPoint Football League and the Ohio Gladiators with Doug Hoeing. It's now time to bring in the GM from the Ohio Gladiators, Doug Horning. And Doug and I met last season when I had the opportunity to broadcast some of the Ohio Gladiators games on 12-ounce sports. This year, the season begins, and Doug is actually begins a preseason game on the 30th of this month uh, in Akron uh, against the Pitbulls. Why don't you just, for a moment, just promote that what's going on uh at the end of the month on that saturday well we're going to play the can pitbull or formerly the can pitbulls and you now the akron canton or akc pitbulls they're going to be uh at their home field copley field uh, going to be you know it's a nice field we played there in the past against the silverbacks and uh they got some of the you know former staff members of the silverbacks you know one of our former coaches it's going to be it's going to be a good game yeah it should be uh, a great opportunity to preview i imagine that's kind of a big thing for the organization to have these uh, preseason games. Just to, I'm sure uh, Coach uh, Valentine has uh, a lot of uh, thought processes going in that he wants to work on. Oh, yeah, quite a bit. You know, we, our defense is something that's, you know, last year we struggled a bit on offense and defense, but our defense started to click towards the end. This year, you know, we're kind of going to 
go back to our roots from 2019 where we had a real successful season and just keep applying pressure. Hey, Doug, let's just uh, backtrack a little bit. Talk about the Ohio Gladiators and your involvement. How did you get involved with the uh, the Gladiators? Well, you know, it's a, it's a funny story. I actually have known the owner of the Gladiators since I was a child, uh, you know, the founder, David George Senior. And for years, you know, a number of people involved with the organization say, you know, you got to come play, you got to come coach. And one day I just got a message on Messenger from a guy who happened to, he, he was at the time the current GM, he seen me on the friend list of the owner wearing a coaching shirt from some of the stuff I was doing at other places and messaged me and asked if I wanted to get involved. And that's literally like 2017 in the off season. That's what happened. I just showed up and jumped right in. It's amazing how that works. It's just, it really is kind of like a, a, a friends type network. I know somebody who might be interested in it, somebody you need to talk to, or like yeah. you just said, uh, a friend from uh, your childhood and, uh, it's amazing what happens with social media, isn't it? Oh, it really is. It, you know, and for years he, he had been playing for different teams. He had played for, you know, the Scour- uh, Scourge and a couple other places. And, you know, one day he was like, you know, I just want to have a team right here. And, you know, he had two sons that played as well. So he got to play a couple of years with his kids. And, you know, it's, I mean, the Gladiators have been around. I think this is our 10th year. Wow. That's fantastic. Yeah, the, uh, the Mahon- Mahoning Valley Scourge, I believe. Um, uh, Western Reserve. Western Church. Reserve. I should have known that. My, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many names in my head sometimes I get them confused. Anyways, yeah, of course, uh, Jim uh, from Western Reserve Radio, uh, who mm-hmm. that's how it all began with Western Reserve Radio, if, if you did not know. He uh, mm-hmm. wanted cover for the Scourge, which he owned and played for, and he created his own little uh, radio network for that. And from there, it expanded to what it is today, which is a 24-hour sports radio, uh, online radio show. And also, uh, you know, covering live sports, including uh, the Tri-Point Football League this year and uh, high school football and basketball and other activities uh, throughout the year. And it all started because of a semi-football or semi-pro football uh, with uh, with the scourge back in the day, so it's amazing how this uh, I want to call it almost like a family like type thing expands and goes on. Now the gladiator, it really, it really is. It's amazing how there's a connection to everybody, you know, and and how it works. I met you last year with the Glads, and um, it was a, a really a fantastic opportunity just to be involved and and to meet everyone. Uh, Coach uh, Chris Valentin, talk talk about him for a moment, just who he is and what he brings to the organization. Uh, Chris, Chris is he's he's a different guy. You know, a lot of people you, you hear the stereotypes of coaches, and and Chris, Chris kind of brings like a strange combination. If you kind of take it back to like high school, he's like a high school coach back when I played, you know, he'll bark at you. He'll get on you. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes he overshares a bit on his opinion, but at the end of the day, you know, the players are still in the inbox. He's almost, it's like he's a high school football coach and a guidance counselor at the same time. He actually legitimately loves his players. And, you know, that's, I think the biggest, we got guys who they come into the team and at first they're like, man, you know, he rubs me wrong. But after a while, you know, the guys, they love Chris. They really do. 
Yeah, and I think that's that's the key. You you earn the respect of the players as the season grows, and and what he does, and how he uh, treats them, and and he builds relationship with his players. It's more than just a coach player relationship. It, it's uh, he's building relationships with each player that really uh, yeah. makes them want to come back and play uh, the following year for the Glads. Absolutely, we we do have I, a lot of a lot of the teams I work with and talk to a lot of the owners. That we have a strange loyalty that a lot of people don't understand. <laughs> yeah, you know, and that was something I, I really enjoyed last year when I uh, talked to some of the players. When they when they uh, had opportunities before the game and after the game, when I would meet them on the field and that, and, and you know, just learn a little bit about them. And uh, a lot of them were saying, you know, this is my third or fourth year with the with the organization, or this is my first year, and I and I can't believe it took me this long to get here, that type of thing. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they always mention, you know, that relationship that they have, well, not just with yeah. their teammates, but with the coaching staff and the organization. And why don't you talk about that for a second, Doug? I mean, I think this is what a lot of people don't understand about is the recruiting that is necessary for a team like this to exist on a year in and year in basis, and and just the commitment some of the players make just to be have the opportunity to play this style of football. Okay, uh, well, you know, like first off, with the coaching staff, you know, most of most of our t- the teams inside these leagues, like people don't realize how big of an overall organization Semi Pro is. Like, they're just in our area. There's three prominent leagues. There's my well, actually, probably four. There's the Tri-Point Football League that, you know, me and several of the owners came together and made this year, um, which is going great. You know, we've got several teams that have been around for nearly a decade and a bunch of new teams that have come in that we're all part of the organization is helping them move along. Then you've got some of the other leagues that have been around for a little while and one or two others that are new. But there's literally dozens of teams between the Tri-State area. And if you start going into Michigan and Kentucky and stuff, there's even more. Um but, you know, with us, we operate as a nonprofit. Our coaches all, they volunteer 100%. A lot of times they do, they pay for things out of their own pockets. You know, I don't think there's ever been a coach for our team that's been in the positive, that hasn't ended the season in the red when it comes to helping or being part of the team. They travel, they do everything all for free. So, you know, that's, a lot of people don't realize that. You guys say it's free football, but at the end of the day, everybody's paying. No one's making money. You know, um, with this organization, it's just been, like I said, 10 years. It's, it's been a, a strong 10 years. We had some up and downs uh, last year, or 2019, I think we had our several of our first times, first playoff win. We made it to the playoffs several times, but last year was our first, or 2019 was our first playoff win. You know, and that was a big deal for, for us. You know, we had this weird monkey on our back where we just couldn't beat a team in Pennsylvania. We finally did that, you know. So it, it's been one thing after another growing. And if I think it's going to continue to be that way. The coaching staff and the players that we bring in, we try to keep a, a certain type of player. Like you, you can tell guys coming in if, if they're a team player or if they're a, you know, a, a football first type of guy. Um, when I start the offseason, I actually start with a list of about 250 people. And that counts previous players, players from other teams who I know are free agents. Because at the end of the season, our contracts are all up. Everybody's a free agent then. So, I start with 250 players. I go through all the D2, D3 lists of guys who are graduated, you know, things like that. And I, I just start going through. I contact them, see if they're interested, you know, get them flyers, try and get them excited about it. We bring them in, and then throughout the winter when we do our indoor practices, from then on my list starts to dwindle down, and it gets down to about, like right now it's about 80 people. Um, 
you know, you they sign contracts this time of year. So I think we have about 60 or so under contract. Um, yeah, basically contracts, though, in, in, in most of the semi-pro leagues, it just basically keeps te- players from jumping around from team to team. It protects playbooks, you know. Um, but other than that, you know, it's it's a lot of spreadsheets. You know, and a lot of people don't maybe put in the type of work I do, but I know because right. I'm not as I'm not as involved in Cleveland. Like I'm out here where I'm at, so I don't get the traffic of players a lot of other teams might. So I I really I have to get on social media, you know, get on these websites, look at film, look at players, and really put in the work that a lot of teams I think don't. But a lot of them also, I guess, don't have to. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, and it really kind of maybe market-driven, too. I mean, not saying Alliance is a small town, but it is a it's a football town, as you know. However, it's a, you know, you have to really kind of show the players what where you're going to be playing at, how you're going to do, and what what mm-hmm. type of uh, systems are you running and who's involved and who has been involved. And I imagine a lot of it is player relationships uh, from one player to another, maybe calling, you know, a, a player who played for the for the Gladiators the last couple of years and say, hey, tell me about your experiences. What are, what are we dealing with here? And that that has to be really an important part of it. That's why I was talking about, what Coach uh, Valentin and what his ability to really make relationships with some of these players. Yeah, you know, I think it's a lot of the ease for Chris is he was one of those players for a long time. Um, he played offensive line and defensive line for years. And, uh, it just, you know, he played for some really good teams as well. He played for the Broncos back when they were mm-hmm. you know, winning just tons of games. They were a juggernaut, and then he played for the Pitbulls. When, you know, after their first season, they cleaned some things up, recruited real well, and they had a really great team. Uh, you know, it, it, and I think that helps that relationship because he knows what it's like. He knows, you know, he, he knows how hard it is. It, it, but let's be honest. The number one recruit, like, I'm very proud of how hard I recruit guys, but the number one recruiting tool in semi-pro is your players. Your players will go out. They will speak the truth. And, you know, we joked around about it in some of the meetings at TriPoint. If a coach or a team or someone does something, you know, they're talking to a player under contract or if, uh, you know, they're doing something sketchy on the side of the player, but they, the first person that outs them is a player and says, hey, look, this ain't right over here. And, you know, hey, look, this guy's in my inbox. But at the end of the day, those are the same guys that go, you know, I know you didn't sign anywhere yet, but you got to come check us out. Everything's organized over here. You know, the jerseys are nice. The field is great. Come check this out. That's the number one recruiter. It's always going to be. The players are just, they're great for that. We're talking with Doug Horning, who is the GM of the Ohio Gladiators, who will be playing this year in the Tri-Point Football League, a brand-new football league that was just formed this year. A lot of the uh, teams coming from Northeast Ohio, Western Pennsylvania, and West Virginia area. Uh, a lot of history there. Uh, I know the season actually begins in June against the Cleveland Cobras, who uh, is was part of the uh, GDFL, as was the Gladiators at one point. Uh, the Pittsburgh Saints are around. Uh, I'm just thinking of some of the names I remember. Uh, the Ohio uh, Bears. The, yeah, there's quite a few. There's 12 teams in the league total. Um, you know, we have uh, the Gladiators and Cobras. Uh, we have the Ohio Bears down in Columbus, outside of Columbus, Marietta Bulldogs. The uh, West Virginia Black Knights. Um, over in Pennsylvania, we have the uh, Pittsburgh Saints, the Seminoles, the 
Greensburg Golden Hawks, the truth, and the Sabres. Oh, as well as the Kings and the uh, Rough Riders. Sorry about that. Forgot that last one. <laughs> it's all right. Um, you know, it's 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 really. I was actually excited when I heard about this league forming because I think when you those who got involved that did it recognize that regional games matter. You know, that you want to be able to recognize who's playing whom. And you don't necessarily need one to go to. I have nothing against Erie or or Buffalo or uh, some of these, you know, Toledo or something else. It's just those are long rides. And those are, you know, expensive things for uh, players and fans to really to deal with. Yeah. And honestly, you know, it's it's weird. Like On my team now, I have guys from. I have a guy from Erie who plays for me from from Erie. I've got guys from Toledo, some down by Columbus. I mean, we like I said, we we have a weird loyalty. The guys will travel to play for us, but those long drives up to Erie. I think our longest drive this year is that we'll, we'll finish the season in West Virginia. It's about a three-hour drive for us. Um, you know, some of the bigger organizations that are backed by some of us, they'll do things like buses and stuff for those long away games. We carpool. We travel well, but we carpool. You know, we. We'll have 50 plus guys at every game, you know, no matter whether it's, you know, a half hour down the road or if it's three hours away. Yeah. And but, I, uh, a lot of it is that, that relationship between players. We're all buddies. We're all family. We all jump in the car and ride where we got to go. And we'll see that here at the end of the month as uh, you'll be up in Akron and Akron Canton area at Copley High School, uh, taking on mm-hmm. the Pitbulls for the. Uh, season opener in the preseason and an opportunity i was reading online i think tickets are only 10 bucks yes sir 10 bucks at the gate can't beat that if you love football this is uh like i say uh the entertainment value is just is huge and it's it's a lot of fun because it's wide open game a lot of times and uh you can see a lot of different type of football i should say from each uh organization because everyone does it a little differently um but uh more than you know if you like seeing the ball in the air you like seeing defense you're going to see it because i mean we've seen that last year with the glads i mean in my opinion they just uh you know defensively they just really showed some real grit throughout the season offensively at times they were just you know a a juggernaut uh with uh the different uh athletes that they were able to play is that the hardest thing though uh, doug for an organization is not just necessarily finding players but finding the right athletes for the right positions it really is you get i guess in every level of football or any sport you get coaches some of them are stubborn and they're like this is what we're going to play and we're going to play it regardless of personnel and then you got teams that'll adjust to the personnel they have we try to always adjust um you know last year we, we had some struggles but, they, you know, we didn't have a great season in the record book, but at the end of the day, we figured out by the end of the season who was a real, like, real gladiator, and that's what we wanted. You know, it, it, wasn't the, it wasn't the season we expected, that's for sure. But at the end, like I said, we came out of that. We finished with a core of guys that were like, you know, these guys are going to be here. We've got, some of them are young, mixed with some great veterans. You know, and I, I – I, be more than happy to, to mention some of them you know i was just going to say why don't we talk about some of the players that uh they'll be returning this year to the glads and and some of the uh the highlights that you know of of them all right uh well you know the, the some of the big returners danny skalecki there's number one he's a quarterback and wide receiver he's been playing this game for as long, long as he's been alive you know he's 
going to probably get reps, a wide receiver get reps, you know, anywhere he will let him. The kid tries to play center, and he could have weighed more than a buck sixty. That's you know, true. He's, <laughs> you know, he, he's rough and tumble. I tell people he's a crash test dummy. The kid's invincible. You know, on the defensive side, we have Russ Terry coming back. He's been, you know, a captain, plays middle linebacker, played a little bit of end for us last year. Um, you know, he's a guy who has the speed of a corner, and he's the strongest most lineman. It, he's going to be really, you know, he's going to be probably the key to the defense, stuffing the run and, you know, handling everything over the middle. We've got other defensive guys coming back that have been veterans with the team mixed with some of these new kids. Uh, you know, um, some of the new kids like – we got two new linebackers, Dom Roper and Austin Mobley. My son might be stepping out there a bit this year. Um, you know, it, it's Ruben Williams out at corner. And then we got some new young guys, Jalen Dodson's back with some leadership. You know, he stepped away for a bit last year. He's back on offense. We're going to have another another year where our line is, you know, huge. And that's a, that's a key. It's hard to run when you got those little agile guys chasing people around. We want to be able to stop it right at the point of attack. You know, John Rice is going to play both sides of the ball. He's been a long-time player. He's played some marina and stuff. Um, Brad Tashannon will be back. He was off last year with a back injury the whole season. But this year, he's – I mean, anybody who's ever had Brad block them, they just hate it. They absolutely hate it. You know, Nate Pritchett will be playing both sides of the ball. He's a monster out of Ravenna High School. And it's just – there's there's so many talented players. We got uh, – Monte Taylor and Tuan Miller are going to be running the ball. They're they're great. Josh Huffman's back after a couple of years off. You know, Raz and Dose at running back was that we've got Tony Perrine out there. He was one of the offensive MVP for the Gladiators this past season. You know, the guy catches literally everything. He does. Way. Um, we got a kid who I've been trying to recruit for a while. Grant Lisk. This guy, the kid has just insane hands. Um, you know, it's I'm really I think this year. 2019, I was excited because that's when I took over the reins of the game. And we ended up, I think we finished overall. The whole season was 11 and 5. And the year before that, we were 0 and 10. You know, we really struggled. So, you know, 2019 came in and, I, and that excitement we had where everybody came in and it's like the guys that felt like family to have them there, they stayed. And the other guys, we let them go to other places. You know, COVID shut us down 2020. 2021 was rocky because we were learning some new things with the success we had, you know, previously or the previous year or whatever. Well, a lot of new guys came in, and, and, and maybe we got a little overzealous. You know, we saw talent and didn't really – we, we kind of left the mold that we stayed tried to stay in. This year we're back to that. You know, I, we had our first outdoor practice in the fall, and I, said, I remember telling Chris on the phone afterwards because we have our after-practice, after-game, wherever we're driving from phone call. And, uh, you know, he, it just felt like family again. It felt like, like it was almost, almost an emotional thing afterwards. Cause I'm like, man, you know, we didn't have this last year. I missed this so much. So it was, it was kind of nice. It was almost like having two years of just missing what we were because of COVID and because last year was you know, all the hiccups. Um, but it's, it's back. And I think this year we're really going to, you know, we're going to see, Obviously, the Pitbulls are a great team. We're going to play them, and anything anything we need to work on, they will expose. You know, they're just a good team. They just played the Saints. They won twenty to six last week against the Saints in Pittsburgh. But uh, you know, we're going to go into there, try and see what we got, get a, you know, get a look at what you know the players we have, and then in a couple of weeks we'll go see the Rams up at JFK in Cleveland, and then we'll finish off May playing the uh, uh, Steel City Kings at our house before we go into the season June fourth.
Well, that's great. That gives you a great, great preseason to get everything organized and rocking in the right way. The Glads open up their season, I want to say, at home against the Cobras on June 4th. Is that correct? Yes, sir. June 4th at Marlington High School. It's a beautiful field. There's no traffic when you leave or when you come. That's the best part about it. Go to some of these fields in these bigger towns. It's traffic and highway and crazy out here. You're driving past cornfields and cattle for a half hour before you have to get to the highway. It is. It's, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful stadium too. I mean, it is an excellent place uh, for football. There's no question about that. And then uh, it really, well, I can say, just the beginning of June on the fourth starts a two-month run of the regular season, and uh, you're packed. I mean, as you mentioned, you got the Saints on the on the second week of the 11th. You got the Mahoney Valley Sabers. On the 18th, the Bears on the 25th, and then you're into June. I mean, it's going to be a blink in an eye, and these eight weeks are going to fly by. I can imagine yeah, how, you know, being involved, how fast it, it must feel. And it really is. Like I said, we, when we created the league, there was a group of teams who'd been around for a long time, and we all said, you know what? We're all in this area. We all know each other. We're all, you know, at a minimum friends. So let's build this league. Let's do this smart. Any team, and then all the teams that come in new, our our board supports them. We go, we you know, we help them out with this. We help them out with that if they have questions or suggestions. You know, I'm actually on the phone now, and I'm getting dings from one of the teams asking. And so it's like it's you know we it, we almost like I said we try to make it family. I, it's how I raise my kids: football, family, and. I love the fact that the team now, the Gladiators, is trying to fit into that same type of thing. The, the league is fitting that way. We talk every night. We're supposed to have meetings every two weeks. We have them almost every night. You know, and it's just, it's been great. It's been, it, it's outstanding. And it, the, one of the unique things I want to fit, or pitch out there is at the end of the season, we, all 12 teams make the playoffs. All 12 teams are seeded by their record. So you could be 0-8 and go in there and you have a chance to come out of there with that trophy that I'm literally building myself. Oh, wow. You're, you're, I seen the prototype on, uh, on Facebook about a week or so ago. Uh, you're building that. Yeah, actually I, one of the, you know, I help out down here at the trophy shop here in town, Sebring trophy. Uh, you know, the owner, the Doolin family own it. I help out when he needs a hand here and there. And, and that trophy is, you know, it's, it's amazing. It's oh. 30 inches. It weighs over 20 pounds, you know, metal, all metal. It's, not some goofball trophy. That thing is legit. Oh, that's awesome. That's fantastic. I, I love that thought. I can't wait to see it at the end of the season. And uh, uh, let's hope that, the, you know, I'm going to be prejudiced here as much as I know the Cleveland Cobras, too. Uh, I'd love to see the Glads lift that trophy at the end of the season uh, surrounded, you know, by everybody in the organization. It'd be a great thing. Oh, I would love it. Yeah, I, I know. Would love it. <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that because like i said uh i've been very fortunate uh the last uh three four years i've been able to uh be around this football um uh for like i said i i've had opportunities to uh to broadcast some cobras and express games up in erie and uh mm -hmm. and the gladiators you know in alliance and uh i i enjoy it i love it I love talking football. I love watching these guys play. And, uh, uh, you know, I can't explain it better than that. If you're a football fan, you need to go out and see it. Because once you get hooked in, in to this level of football and you see the desire of these guys to play each and every week and knowing what they're putting themselves through to do it, uh, 
you just come away with great admiration for everybody involved because you really have to yeah. love the game of football uh, to be somebody who, like a Danny Seleski, who I, I don't want to put his age out there, but you know, is, is probably a 12, 15 year vet in in the, as playing in this style of football. No, oh, yeah, he's closer to my age and closer than coming out of high school. He's, I believe, in his mid to late thirties. He's been just doing it for, and if he isn't, he, he probably feels older. Yeah, and that's those are the stories that that makes uh, makes gladiator football and other teams uh, interesting, in my opinion, because you really got to love this game and they you really, you know, be able to find time to a practice, you know, and I know not it's not every day because no one can organize that. But you're talking about two, maybe three days a week of getting most of the players available and then traveling to a game and you know it's it's a real dedication and it's really impressive to watch uh these these guys do it week in and week out it is it's insane a lot almost all these they have they, they work at you know regular job you know they come to practice and we work on what we work on but you know when it comes to their conditioning and being in the gym and staying in shape that's all on them that's just you know these guys to play at this at any you know successful level out here in semi-pro, they have to they have to put in their work off the field because teams can't provide that. They they've got to go out, they've got to hit a gym, they've got to you know lift, they got to run, they got it, it's all on them. And that level of commitment for these guys, the guys you see come out here and be successful, yeah, it's a rare bird that can jump off the couch and come out and be a star. Yeah, it, you know, it, it just doesn't happen. It, yeah, it takes, <laughs> it takes talent and effort. And it takes drive that you know. Most of, most people wouldn't have to go out there and get beat up every Saturday night, you know. No, no question about it. Hey, Doug, I want to thank you for taking time to come on to talk about the Gladiators, the upcoming season. I'm going to give you an open invitation anytime you want to come on the podcast. You uh, and uh, Chris and anybody in the organization wants to uh, promote upcoming game, you're more than welcome. We'll make it happen. Even if it is for five or ten minutes, uh, we'll just have you come on and, and we'll talk about the game and the players. We'll have to, you and I will have to get together on the phone and try to work out some of these details. But again, uh, you have an open invitation uh, to be part of Radio MVP podcast. Anytime, anytime you want, I'm, I'm more than willing to get on. I'm sure Chris, Chris would love to. He's a chatterbox too. Uh, you know, I think anytime, anybody in the organization probably would be excited to do it. We'll, Just let me know. We'll definitely make it happen. Uh, that is Doug Honing, the GM of the Ohio Gladiators in the TriPoint Football League this year. They open up their regular season June 4th against the Cleveland Cobras. They have a preseason game at the end of the month on April 30th in Akron at Copley High School versus the Pitbulls. Doug, once again, thanks for coming on. Oh, no problem. Thank you for having me. <laughs> All right. My thanks to Doug Hoeing from the Ohio Gladiators for stopping by, talking uh, some Gladiator mm-hmm. football with us, Anthony, as uh, we are springtime. Their first game is uh, April 30th, and I'll give you more information on that on the uh, the write-up underneath here. And, again, thanks to Doug for coming on to talk uh, some football with us in the springtime. It, like I said, football's all year round nowadays. Yeah, and uh, it's a lot of fun. Let me ask your thoughts on this real quick. Um, you know, spring games and everything in college, it's either offense, defense, one versus two, or a mixture. What are your thoughts on what Urban Meyer had suggested and Ryan Day kind of likes 
is playing a different opponent. I, Do you like that or no? Or Really, I understand the thought process as a head coach. I do too. Yeah. Okay. There's an advantage to have an exhibition game because okay. college basketball does it, and yeah, you know. and there's there's an advantage because you don't have it in college football. No, there is no exhibition mm-hmm. season. There's, there's no not. exhibition games. Matter of fact, you know, we're just talking about semi pro football. Mm-hmm. They even exactly. have the exhibition games before the season. So the answer is, I'm not against it, but I don't see necessarily the need for it. Yeah, I agree. With I that. believe. That is a. Here's the thing. For example, let's just use Youngstown State as an example. Yes. If you were going to have an opponent come in, who are you going to bring in? Exactly. Or are you going to go play somebody? Right. Okay. Are you going to go play Toledo or uh, Western or, Michigan or, or let's somebody? Let's say Akron or, or Kent. Exactly. You know, okay. Are you going to split the gate there? How is that going to work? Don't get me wrong. Exactly. I think. Fans will will pack the place for any type of football game. Oh yeah. So, on that level, yeah. But I mean, there's there's more. I understand from a coaching perspective, you want your players on to see somebody else. Yeah. Somebody else. Uh, and to me, it's kind of meaningless in April. Well, and no one plays a football game years years ago. It used to be a football game. Yeah, not anymore. I mean. I go back to my days of yeah. when Bill Narduzzi and his, you ran yeah. a football game. It yeah. was kind of a football game. And you stayed for the first half, maybe the first three quarters, and everyone started you know, yeah. leaving. And that's just the way it was. Um, today, games are more gimmicky. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. They, the they, offense, they, defense, well, the right. They, they yeah. do a control scrimmage, and they the score. They a lot. They special teams, periods, they all do and all that. that. Yeah. Why, why do they do that? Because they want to work on certain areas. Exactly. And they have to do it. Uh, I, I'll, remember, I'll never forget one of Jim Trestles at Youngstown State was really innovative at the time. Mm-hmm. Was they started, I think, at the 40-yard line on mm. every drive. Yep. And it was third and one. Okay. So they wanted a short down scenario mm-hmm. for two downs. And then if you got the first down, obviously, you, when you, you, you continue it on. Yeah. yeah, but it was always third down and one to start okay. the yeah. the drive. And obviously, his reasons, they wanted the defense in that scenario, wanted the offense in that scenario mm-hmm. to work on certain yeah. things. And I think every other possession, it was third down and one. Okay. And the reason you do stuff like that is because you want to work on scenarios. So you give the defense a score if they stop them. If you give the defense mm-hmm. a score, if they intercept the ball or if they score yeah, a touchdown, you, you yeah. know, there's the, like you high, have, yeah. mm-hmm. you give the offense a score because they yes, got the first exactly. down on third down and one or whatever. Uh, you know, again, it's a control scrimmage. Uh, it's fine. Uh, there's a lot of good and bad in that when you have a football program as large as you do at the subdivision and the mm-hmm. division one uh, bowl division area, you have enough players to, to truly yeah. have a control yes, scrimmage and get it done and let those players have that opportunity. Um, if you were playing in a true exhibition game, would everyone see the field as much as my question? Uh, and I'm, and to be honest, that's an opportunity for the to me, third the, the the third exactly. deaf player to have a chance to show what he can do like, and stuff like that. I'm not saying it always works, but you know, 
Like, for instance, on Saturday. Right. Do we really need to see Julio McLaughlin and uh, Demetri Crenshaw play a lot? No. You probably won't. You you know who those guys are. You know they're your starters. There's no point to play them. So get them a series or two. And then, like you said, you work your depth. Yeah. you find out who you have, and I know we'll see. Um, we'll see what um, what the Penguins look like. I mean, that's, yeah, it'll be exciting. It's, it's, it's a great preview. Yeah, it's a great opportunity to talk football this time of the mm-hmm. year, and I think it's an exciting thing, you know, for college football to have the spring thing. And it, to me, it's just like years ago. Baseball used to have this, the winter meetings. It was a way for yes. baseball to have a celebration of the exactly. game in the middle of winter. Even mm-hmm. though there was no game being exactly. played, there was all this information, and there was trades happening, mm-hmm. and there were signings. And it was, it was an exciting time. Every night, yeah. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. an exciting time. Um, that that time has changed. That doesn't happen anymore like that. Mm-hmm. Um, college football has changed. The, the spring game is more of a, a – a thing that everyone does. And yes, mm-hmm. the coaching staff wants it because that gives them, you know, two full weeks of practices over four weeks and, and they can do certain things that they could not do otherwise to prepare for June and July when they actually get back into the pads and do what they, you know, to prepare for the season. So I, it's, it's fine. It's just the way life is, it's changed. And, uh, Sometimes it's for the better, sometimes for the worse, sometimes it's better for the memory to think about, the, you know, how things once were and always was better then than it is now. It's not always the case, mm-hmm. but yeah. And quite honest with you, spring games never used to be on TV. Now they're, now they're on always TV. on TV. Yeah. yeah. And it's, let's be honest. We are a football community mm-hmm. here in America, meaning football's number one. Everything else is a far second. Mm-hmm. So anytime we're talking football, it matters. Yeah. The NFL draft is a big deal. That's why it's over three days instead of one day. Mm-hmm. That's why yes. it's televised. That's why there's so many shows talking about you know, a player mm-hmm. and, and the draft status and what's going on and why, you know, right now the biggest you know rumor every day is Baker Mayfield being traded on draft day mm-hmm. because you know there's a great opportunity to make a trade yep uh, you know that first weekend uh, or that first day of the draft so uh will you know Seattle will Carolina will whoever it be you know make a trade for him we'll find out but that's that's we live in that era um it's going to be a lot of fun I do want to get in my real quick mm-hmm. other football. The Liverpool Reds, man, continue they to play great. Yes. I saw that. They have now qualified for the FA Cup Finals. And they defeated Man City uh, this past week, 3-2. to two. Mm-hmm. Big win. Had a 3 nothing lead in the first half. Ended up uh, finishing that one out. That's the third game this year against mm-hmm. Man City. The first two ended in draws, this one. Uh, had had to have a conclusion. Yep. And uh, Liverpool wins. They move on to the FA Cup. They will face Chelsea, who mm-hmm. they faced in the ELP or EFL, excuse mm-hmm. me, uh, Cup Finals uh, two months ago. Let me say that. So the f- dream of four championships in one season is still alive. The whole nation of Ghana right now. Huge Chelsea fans. They are big Chelsea supporters down there. Like when I went down to Ghana, 
Um, we were down there. We went out to dinner, and it's very different from our lifestyle here. They are up and going four, four fifteen, four thirty every morning. Right. They go to church every morning. Right. And, and then they come back and eat breakfast and lunch and then snack and then uh, lunch is their biggest meal and dinner is like a small snack. However, when there's a Chelsea game on. Everything shut down. <laughs> Everything. Restaurants and bars. They, they all shut down, and everybody's in front of a TV. Yeah. So um, they will be shutting down again this weekend. Uh, Hopefully they'll be disappointed. I'm as... torn because my brothers and sisters, <laughs> I love Ghana. I love visiting there. I'm sure there. it was. It was an amazing um, place. I'm sure. You guys. So, um, But I will say this. You got to go where your heart is, and Chelsea's never come to Notre Dame Stadium. No, they have. Liverpool has. Yes, they have. And they packed that place eighty thousand. Yes, so, they did. Enough said. You'll never walk your, alone, Anthony. For your sake, I hope you guys. Yeah, uh, you'll never walk alone. <laughs> Remember that, my friend. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, that will happen in May. I think it's May fourteenth. Mm-hmm. Is is the date? The time has not been determined. I believe that's a Saturday, so I'm hoping it's a primetime game. I'm not sure it will be, meaning primetime for them. That would make about 3 o'clock my time. That means I get off work at 2, and I don't there have to take go. a day off. There you go, so Tim. that's what I'm hoping for. Uh, the Premier League is uh, heading down to the last seven games, and uh, it will be jam-packed as uh, – they have to move one game to make room for this game. Mm-hmm. Plus the Champion League, uh, Liverpool advanced to the semifinals. And there's a good chance that Man City and Liverpool will meet again in the Champions League uh, finals uh, come June. So it is a, it's going to be interesting to watch. Here's the thing. Man City has never won the Champions League. That is probably mm-hmm. one of their... Biggest goals this year is to win that one. Liverpool won it two years ago. Yes. Uh, so we'll see exactly what happens there. Uh, Liverpool has the chance to do something that's been unprecedented. Uh, win four in one season. They won the EFL uh, Cup uh, a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. They have a chance to win the FA Cup. They are one point behind Man City in the Premier League. Seven games to go. We'll see how mm-hmm. that turns out. And then the Champions League. So if everything turns out in the red favor, they can do the quad, which has never been done before. There you go. So, uh, yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And uh, looking forward to that. Uh, I'll be down at Westside Bowl uh, cheering them on with the, uh, the Rust Belt Reds. So it should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to all that. Uh, Anthony, I think we've run out of time here. We've done a, a pretty good podcast yeah. here. And, and uh, uh, let's maybe like a small s- spring ice cast report next week. Absolutely. You Touching know, on the spring game. Yeah. And we'll, we'll, absolutely. We'll see what. Um, I am, this is a huge I am season. pro football, people. I this am pro football. A, what a shock here. This is a, uh, you know, it's always a big season for Youngstown State because. Like you said, this is a football-centric town. You better win here or you're going to be left in the dust. Um, well, it's a, a huge big, year for Doug Phillips. Exactly. This is make Let's, or break. This yeah, year. You're going to know what you got. Well, we're going to find out exactly where this program's headed this season. 
Okay. I'm not saying. And, and I, no, this is a, this. I'm my, not saying get truth to the, the max. Well, you better be in contention. Well, yeah, this is a you better be make or break. This is a make or break for Doug Phillips. There is no looking back because you're not going to have any fans after this year if he if this if this team performs like they did the first two years, what they did last spring and what they did mm-hmm. last fall. If next fall they they win four games. There's no looking back. He needs to resign. He needs to move on, and the program needs to move forward. This schedule. I'm not sure he has the ability. He will do that. Do the correct thing. And I know the university doesn't have the money to get to get rid of him. But this is make or break because there is no four season in my eyes. He has three years to get this done, and the first two are dismal. This is a make or break for you. Simple as that. Make or break. You finished on a high note, beating Southern Illinois, and Southern Illinois was not great. They were still better than you. This year, you start the first two games at home. You go on the road to Kentucky. You're going to get killed against Kentucky. We all know that. That's But yeah. after that, or no, excuse me, it's, yeah, Kentucky. And then I believe it's North Dakota, North Dakota State, or ever. So, but my point is, you avoid Northern Iowa this year, and you avoid uh, uh, South Dakota State. All right. You better be in the hunt in November. I'm not saying make the playoffs this year for me. I'm saying you better come down to the last two weeks with a this game. If you win this game, you're going to be in. I'm I not, not going to put a number on this season in April. Okay, I am. But I will say this, uh, and, and I'll, it's a make or break season because if four wins is not enough. No, you go four and seven, you better get out. Seven wins is not necessarily enough. So there's the parameter. Would you take six and five this year? No. He has to go. With this guy. Yeah, you know what? No, no matter what the schedule is, and I hate putting a number on it in April, Anthony, but the bottom line is that for this program to be successful and to get the fans back and to care about this program the way it should be cared about going forward, they need to – Exhibit the ability to win games. Simple as that. That you know every game that they're competing in. Even in a game against Kentucky necessarily, you want to be able to say you competed against them. Even if you lose, let's say, by 20, 25 points in that game. You say, well, we were in it for and you we, better compete, we, bro, we got beat by the Michigan big State. plays. Exactly. You know, those things happen. And I can accept that. I don't expect the Pittsburgh miracle, okay? No. No, but I do expect to be able to compete, and if we if they do certain things going forward, if they lose that game by thirty, who cares? We it's better, one game. The rest of the season it matters. It matters what you do in in. I was going to say the Gateway, but the Missouri Fowler Football Conference, and it matters how here, you perform at home. Here, so your, the bottom line is, you cannot just squeak by this year. You have to perform. Duquesne. Dayton, you better win both those handily. You better win both those handily. Kentucky, um, then you're that's in a the really conference. good program. Then you're at North Dakota State. Yeah. Your home birth, North Dakota, should beat them last year. Your home birth, Indiana State. You're at Western Illinois. Your home birth, South Dakota, they were better last year. You're at Illinois State, at Missouri State. Homer Southern Illinois. You got eight games in your conference. You and you have eight games right in your there, conference. There's the, to compete in this and compete in this conference. You have to win six of them. And to me, that schedule right there, 
I don't care if it's April 18th, May 18th, or September 18th. This schedule right here, looking at it, to me, there's two games that you're not going to win because you're not going to win in the Frogger Dome. They're just really damn good. And you're not going to beat Kentucky. But in every other game, you have a chance to win. Well, again, so your break, season... break the next season into two halves. The non-conference schedule and the conference schedule. Okay? If, as, as you just stated, two and one in a non-conference schedule is very acceptable. Well... Two and one, but you better whip Duquesne and Dayton. And I, two and one. Two oh, and you one. better whip Duquesne and Dayton. I understand you, you, the need for that. My, my bottom but, line is W's. Yes. Okay? I don't care if you win by one you win by 100. It goes into the W column. Two and one in a non-conference schedule. Okay. You have to be minimum. You have eight games in conference. You have to be a minimum of six and two. Five and three. Five and three, he's out of here. <laughs> Five and three gives him seven and four. He's playing a first-round home game, seven, probably. Get him out of here. <laughs> get him out of here. Bend over backwards. I'll kick him right, I'll kick him right through the goalpost. <laughs> I mean. I'll kick him right through standoff. <laughs> Everybody will be cheering as it goes up and over. It, it, on to 680. Five and three, and you're hosting. And everybody be cheering. <laughs> Sixty yarder, boom, he's out of here. Five and three, and he's out of here. Five and three gets you seven and four, and you're hosting. And you're home. You're home. No, you're. You're not playing. Yes, you you're are. You're not playing. Yes, you are. You're not yes, playing. Yes, if you're seven and four, you're getting in the playoffs. If you're seven and four, you're you're probably you're getting a first round home game. No, probably. Yes, oh God, you are. no well, no. yeah, because all the teams get by, so you're going to yeah, you're on the road. Team. You're on the road somewhere. I don't and... care. Get me in the play, like you said. <laughs> Just get me in. I mean, if we took that mindset in '97, well, shit, we got to go to Eastern Washington, and we got to go to Villanova. Uh, that, I, I mean, you know, the team was much better than that. <laughs> well, yeah, we had a coach, but I'm saying, I know if you get me seven and four. You're you are playing. I'm in drop kicking November. them right into six eighty. You, you know what? I'm drop kicking you know them right what? into six eighty. Okay, here, make me a deal tonight, okay? And your employer can get a phone call from me. Seven and four, and if we host a first I'm round there. home game, your ass is there. Uh, you I, are there right next to me, and we're gonna freeze our ass off. Uh, I'm, I'm Dougie, absolutely right? there. I'm With absolutely Dougie. there. That's right. Uh, I'll be cheering. That's... I'll be. Che- I'll be Doug's number one fan. <laughs> I know you will. Uh, but if he loses that game, he might as <laughs> well bend over because he's going right into six eighty. Oh my god! <sighs> Tim, if you go seven four, you might have a parade down fifth for Dougie. <laughs> <laughs> so I would have drop kick him right into the. <laughs> Uh. Woo. All right, Dougie, you heard him. You, it's it, time. The, the, the gauntlet has been has been set down. To me, maybe I got my red and white goggles on, and I could. <laughs> you, you could win nine games on that schedule. Are you going to? No. But you could. It's possible. Because you know, I, Doug has already beaten 
South Dakota. He should have beat North Dakota at North Dakota right. last year. They lost. The key, the key, Anthony, is is the schedule favorable to a good season? The this answer is, your is most yes. Favorable schedule we've had since Trestle was here. Well, it's a favorable schedule. I ain't going to disagree with you there. It's now time to perform. Exactly. It's now time. Put up or shut up. It's no now time. I don't care who the coach has been for the last 25 years. It's now time for this program not to leave wins on the field. And we, did, we left a lot of wins on the field last year. The last 15 years. There's only been one season where they, they actually achieved yeah. what they were able to do. Yeah. And that's just the way it is. And to is. me, they left that one on the field too. But that's... well, exactly. You know. But yeah, I yes, know what you're saying. Yes, yes. I'm not going to. It was a huge disappointment in the end. It was but, a great run. Exactly. It was a great run. It was a, a, a team that was designed to have that type of run and did. So eight and three. He needs to go eight and three. Eight and three. The trestle eight and three keeps him. <laughs> the trestle eight and three. Tim, he goes eight and three. You might have a statue outside my gate. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, you! I can see the bronze statue now. Uh. <laughs> Go Gwens! Better, <laughs> uh, uh. he's gonna be drop kicking the six eighty. <laughs> I heard Dan Reardon might need a field goal kicker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure he'd take uh, a board. He's going right that. over. <laughs> It'll be a big celebration. <laughs> Oh my God! Yeah, no, eight and three is fair. And the after party at the Golden Dawn, right? Hey, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey, seven and four—that's my goal. I just need someone who has great computer uh, graphics to pull that one off for me. Seven and four—that will be the mem of a lifetime. You know what? <laughs> we are going to start. A Tim Continenza YSU football win countdown. We're, we're, we're counting just... down from seven to zero. And once we get that seventh Eight. win, we're no seven wins, and you're going to be in section five, oh, okay. row yes. 17. Yes. And you're going to be planted right next to me. That's fine. And That's we're going to be getting fine. the old asses off their feet. That's absolutely fine. And, and you know what? There's nothing, there's nothing I would love more than for that to happen. But here's the thing, though. The first round of the playoffs is the same day as Ohio State, Michigan. It happens. That's right. It happens. It happens. So seven wins, folks. You heard them. Well, seven here's, wins. Here's, here's Penguins the win their eighth here's the game truth of the matter with that, Anthony. Here's the truth of the matter. If you're hosting a home game and you know that right now. Yep. It's really simple. That kicks off at noon. There's no reason for that game at YSU to start before 5 o'clock. But does YSU set that time or is that the NCAA? I think they should ha- would have some input. Now, remember, the first round is not a higher-seeded team host. It's a bid. Again, if that's the case, then— Get out the checkbook. Well, yeah. Well, You know what? I'll give YSU credit for this. When it comes to athletics and getting either their program— into a tournament, oh, yes. oh, or, or to host a team, they've always achieved that. Unless you're playing Richmond, but you can't. You know, you end. can't. You're not going to win them all. Nope, you're not going to win them all. You know, but but that's if okay. We got to go to Eastern Washington or well, way then, up in New Hampshire. But I don't that care. Was, Get that me was in. when they changed the rules. 
where the higher seed did get the home yeah. games, mm-hmm. which was fair. I don't have a problem. I agree with that. I don't have a problem with any of that, to be quite honest. That's just politics of the game. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. Okay. And that's what it is. It's, that's okay. But I'll give YSU credit. Where, where they deserve credit. Yes, 100%. What they did for the basketball program to get them in the CIT the few years that they got in. They did what they had and to do. And what they did this year for the men's team, when you had to pay well, to play well, those games, huge. All those huge. tournaments are that way. Huge. That's my point. That's, yep. that's an important exactly. thing for this program. And give, give YSU credit for doing what they needed to do. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to say the same thing. Over the years, when the football team has been had opportunities to bid for home games, they've got they them. have done it. They've gotten them. They've, exactly. Give credit where credit is due. And I'm not going to take anything away from the programs or getting home games. And if that's what it takes to get a home game and they can pull it off, if they can find the right sponsors to make it happen, that's what, you, that's what their job is to do. Title this podcast, hashtag... Get Tim to Stanball. All right. There you go. That's the goal. There, you, there if, you go. If anything, for job security, the hell with that, the hell with contract, the hell with this, Doug Phillips' main goal this year is get Tim Continenza to Stanball. Yeah. That's it. Maybe we'll actually talk and to him. And maybe we'll have Dick Carter sitting right next to yeah. him because he said he would not step foot in that stadium again. So, Well, that might be more difficult. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I don't think Dick's going to get back yeah. to Stanball. Uh, God bless him. That's um, the goal. Hashtag get Tim the standby. All right. We're going to – there you go. So for, for Anthony, I am Tim. I want to thank Doug for coming <laughs> on the, the podcast here today to talk about the Ohio Gladiators. And Anthony and myself, we will be talking to you next time right here on Radio MVP. Remember to tell your family, friends, and enemies about Radio MVP. We'll talk to you next week right here. Have a great night, everyone. <laughs>